praise our Father who art in heaven, how do you begin prayer? You begin by acknowledging God is your Father. A lot of times we want to start out very guilt conscious. God wants us to start out conscious of Him and His love for us. So He says, when you first words out of your mouth is, these are for His people, our Father. And immediately, this is the God of love. And then it's not just His love, but our Father in heaven, His power. So when you go to pray, the first two things you want to be reminded of is He loves you and He has unlimited resources. He, you're worried about your children, He can dispatch an angel and watch over those children all day long. And I think that He does. That's how our children survive. But it's important how we begin. Then I pointed out that there are seven petitions in this prayer. And the first three have to do with God. We would call these God's three priorities. The first three petitions. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. So if you take each one of these petitions... And each morning when you get up, before you go out into the day, you, if we, let's start it on Sunday, hallowed be your name. This petition, you're asking God to help you to honor His reputation by how you talk and dress, how you react to people when they're rude, pastor talked about a, a guy who the pastor I guess was going slow in the, on the freeway and this guy went around him sat down on the horn and shot him an obscene gesture and uh, the pastor looked over and it was one of his church members <laughs> and the guy recognized the pastor and oh boy <laughs> he was absent the next Sunday I'm pretty sure how, but how do we react God help me hallow your or look, cause you to be holy in front of people in the way we worship is God seen as holy in the way we converse in our language and terms do we set our God, when we are baptized, we're identified with the God of the Bible. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's public. And so now that we're identified with God, do we hallow His name? And I would just remind you about Moses, who was a very close friend, the Bible calls him a friend, with whom God spoke face to face. And Numbers 20, verse 10, 
it says that God told Moses to come in. They didn't have water. And this is toward the end of the 40-year wandering. And Moses was kind of fed up with them. They were complaining. They wanted to stone him on occasion, get rid of him, and go back to Egypt. And uh, God said, Moses, settle down. I want you to going to give them water because that's what they were fussing about. And he said, call the people together and then speak to this rock. And it will produce water. But Numbers 20 verse 10 says, Moses said, hear this, you rebels. Well, that's mistake number one. God told him to to speak to the rock, not call the people names. Moses said, must we bring water out of this rock? And that's another mistake. Moses wasn't going to bring water out of a rock. God was. And then he says, he lifted, Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice. There's another mistake. God told him to speak to it, not hit it. And so when this episode was over, God had given him water. The Lord called Moses aside and said, Moses, you, because you did not trust me or uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you will not enter Canaan land. This was a big epic moment in Moses' life. He, and the thing is, it was a public a dishonoring of God. There's a lot of things we do in private. We're ashamed of it. But Moses lost his temper here and, and, was, and pridefully dishonored God. So when you're praying, Lord, let today be, may I hallow your, or make you be seen as holy today in my public interactions with people. So you can pray that on Sunday because if you go to church, you'll be around people. And you can pray that over the people. May we all, because it's a prayer for us, let hallowed be your name, our Father. Then on Monday, petition number two. Thy kingdom come. Now, what is this petition? Here, we're inviting God's rule and praying for God's rule to enter into the society, into our hearts, our families, our society, our church, that He would be the ruler. We're asking for His blessing and His and his expressions. And the church is uh, the visible expression of the kingdom. Uh, You see that in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, On this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom. It's almost using church and kingdom. I'm going to build my church and here's the keys to the kingdom. It's like church and kingdom are 
almost synonymous. God's rule is by the Spirit, so it's invisible, but the church is visible. But the church is the realm where He rules, hopefully. And the kingdom is when Satan is cast out. Luke eleven twenty, Jesus said, If I cast out demons, the kingdom has come to you. See, the kingdom can expand in society. And that's what this prayer is. We're praying for God's kingdom for the church to grow, for the members to be faithful. This is what you can pray on Monday. Pray for the pastor. Amen. Pray for the sermon that's coming up this Sunday. By the way, this coming Sunday, we're uh, preaching on fasting. So you need to pray for that. Pray for the upcoming series on Genesis. Starts November 6. We want, to, we want to do a good job on that. Pray, in other words, the kingdom, let the kingdom expand. Pray that Satan would be defeated and demons cast out. Darkness pushed back. Ignorance removed. And the knowledge of God spread. This is where under this one on Monday when you're praying your kingdom come, you pray for families, new families to attend who've been out of church, for conversions to take place, baptisms, and decisions that would turn us away from our sin. That's what we're praying for. You're praying, in the first one you're praying for God's reputation. In the second one, You're praying for God's influence and rule on earth. And these are vital. These are priorities. Uh, It's always good to pray for that which is eternal. The kingdom of God is here to stay. Everything else is passing away. I I asked Jan last week, I said, uh, we we both like to watch the NBA and... uh, and so we, we kind of keep up with it. And so uh, I don't know what prompted the question, but I asked her last week, I said, who, who won the NBA championship last year? And she said, the Rams. Uh, I said, no, NBA. She said, the Rams. And then it occurred to her, oh, I don't know who won it. Now, we follow it. We couldn't even remember who won the championship last year. Now, it could be a sign of fading memories, (laughs) but I don't think so. I think it's just that uh, fame and fortune in the earth is so temporary. We can't remember who won anything from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. It's all passing. But when you invest in the kingdom, Daniel 7 saw a vision of Christ ascending into heaven and taking the throne of God. And it says, I saw with the clouds of heaven one like the Son of Man. He came 
to the ancient of days was presented and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, people and languages. His dominion is everlasting and will not pass away. So it is appropriate that we spend time praying for the kingdom because it's eternal and putting that as a priority. So here are the first three. Petition one, hallowed be your name, his reputation. Petition two, on Monday, your kingdom come, the church and its influence and spread and growth. Petition three, on Tuesday morning, you get up. Maybe you've only got five, ten minutes. And you concentrate on praying God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this one, we are inviting heaven to come into the earth through us in answer to prayer. We're, in, we're, we're not trying to get our will done in heaven. We're wanting God's will done on earth. We're not trying to manipulate God. We're asking and invite, <clears throat> inviting Him to come into our lives here. This is a prayer for a deepening of the spiritual life to go further than you are now. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it done in heaven? Immediately, fervently, vigorously, successfully. That the, when God says to Gabriel, go down and tell Mary she's going to have a a child, uh, I don't think Gabriel just stood around and procrastinated. I think he went like the wind and arrived. I, he omi- immediately obeyed. This is what we're praying. Thy will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. Under this, <clears throat> in this category, you can pray for not only a deepening of your own life, but your children's spiritual life. Pray for your family. Pray for your children's future spouses. How's that? Pray, uh, they may only be five or six years old, but they tend to grow up and get married. Now's the time to pray. Prayer, uh, in Acts 10, Cornelius' prayer came as a memorial before the Lord. It just kind of stuck there. And this is what prayer tends to do. It attaches itself. And it's, it's like a time traveler. When you get there, those prayers are before the throne. And so you pray. I have prayed for all of my children's spouses years ago. And today, all four of them are in church, dedicated spouses, serving God together. And even Bud. I prayed for Bud. And he asked this beautiful Christian girl to marry him. And to my absolute amazement, 
She said, yes. I told Bud, I said, okay, okay. You need to get out of town and don't come back to your wedding day. Don't get around her. She said, yes, let's go with it. <laughs> Just disappear. <laughs> and what a beautiful Christian, godly wife and mother that she is. And uh, that's answered prayer. I can tell you right now. So under this one, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for a deepening of your spiritual life, your children, their protection, their spouses. Pray for the protection of a future spouse. You don't even, you don't even, you've never met them yet. They may be five years old. But pray for their protection and their purity and, their, and blessing on their life and guidance for them. That's petition three on Tuesday morning. Now, the next four petitions have to do with man. The first three with God. His name, his will, his kingdom and will. And now these next four have to do with man. Starting on Wednesday morning, you begin to pray for yourself and, and those around you. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's the first time it's what you need. What you need. This is a prayer for provision, finances, the right jobs. Pray for a job that doesn't take you away from church on Sundays. Can I get an amen, church? God can give, if he, if he can give you one, He can give you another. It's better to take a job where you earn less, but you have to work on Sunday, than it is to take a job where you earn the other direction. You want to be at church because your soul is more important than your bank account. Praying for a peace from worry under this one. Give us this day daily bread because you're looking to God to provide. And here's a verse for you, Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not with him freely give us all things? If God would give you his son, is he going to withhold groceries? This is, that's the way Paul's putting it. And, and just as a point here, notice the word daily bread. Daily is an interesting Greek word. Bread is common word, but daily is a combination of a prefix, epi, and usios. Epiusios. But epi means upon. You see it in medical terms like epidermis, or which is upon top of the skin, um, or an epidemic, something that comes upon people. This on a society. Uh, anytime you see epi, the little prefix, it means upon. This, is, this word is used here in uh, verse 11. Give us this day our epi-usios bread. Meaning, give us bread 
and then give us bread on top of bread. <laughs> Amen? You need more than just today's bread. You need bread on top of bread. You need disposable income. <laughs> and that's the meaning of this word here. Epiusios. Bread upon bread. Because you need it for emergencies. You need extra income uh, for, to give away to others. Others may be hungry. Maybe your needs are satisfied, but you've got people who know you that are hungry. So you need money to give away. You need money to lay up when you're sick or too old to work. So ask God to give you extra bread. More than enough. You need more than enough. This prayer not only permits it, but Jesus said you need to pray it. I've been, I've been poor, had no money. Then I've been where I had money. And I'm telling you, it's better to have money. <laughs> so, remember that God does not give us a warehouse full of bread, but He promises to be a father who owns a bakery. In other words, He's not going to stack it up so that you never have to pray. He wants you to pray to stay close. So he says, look, I own a bakery. I can send you bread in a blink of an eye. And so we look to God uh, on a daily basis for his provision. And then on Thursday, petition number five, forgive us for our debts as we forgive those in debt to us. By a debt, he's, he's using a metaphor for sin. Because a sin is a debt. It's when, okay, now I owe God. I gotta pay something. I gotta make up for that failure. So, what do I pay? And I just read this morning about these uh, the uh, priests in the medieval days, they would wear uh, to to pay for their sin and compensate for their transgressions. They would wear these uh, hair shirts where they'd take rough hair like from a camel or, a, or some kind of r real rough uh, animal and they'd wear the hairy part next to their skin so it would rub them raw. And on some occasions they would even put metal spikes into the shirt because they had to pay up. You've got to compensate. I, I'm in debt to God. How, how do I do it? I've got to suffer. Okay. Jesus said you can also just ask him to forgive you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to this verse. Colossians 2, 13. God made us alive with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
The law said, pay up. But this he set aside, nailing it to his cross. Jesus paid up on our behalf. As the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So we, on Thursday, you just bask in the forgiveness, the grace, and the gospel of God. And renew your heart before the Lord who loves you and sent His Son. So your sins are gone. And remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. There are people who sin against you. What do you do with them? You do what God did for you. Cancel the debt. Amen. Listen to Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There you go. Then on Friday morning, petition number six, lead us. This is a prayer for guidance. Not into temptation. Uh, We need guidance. We can start right there. We are not a people who know the way to go. Yesterday at the harvest party we had in the petting zoo, they had chickens and rabbits, ducks, and then they had uh, goats, pigs, and ilpacas, is that what it was? Alpacas? Whatever. And uh, sheep. And uh, I asked the lady, I said, what's the smartest animal here? And she said, the pig. Just like that, didn't even hesitate. I said, what's the dumbest one? <laughs> she said, the sheep. And all the other animals, they're moving around and butting one another, and sheep's just standing there. So I believe it just by looking at him. You know, uh, sheep is what Jesus compared his people to. We do not know the way. Can we just accept in humility our absolute desperation for guidance from the God of heaven? To get through the day. Oh, God, please guide me, lead me, not into temptation. You know, sheep, they can't run, they can't hide, their wool will grow out over their eyes and they can't see anything, they can't shear themselves. It takes a shepherd. So in this Lead us, you're praying for guidance because you have to have it. And notice that he says, lead us not into temptation. He does not say, lead us not into sin. I mean, that would go without saying, right? But the the key to victory over sin is not in resisting its power but in avoiding its presence. 
Not in, not in power to resist, that's willpower, but in wisdom to avoid it. That's guidance. See, here's, here's something for the parents and the teenagers today. In Proverbs chapter 1, a father's instruction and a mother's teaching. He says, don't forsake these to these teens. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, throw in your lot among us. And here's what his father's and mother's teaching. Proverbs 1, 15, 16. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path. He's not saying, now, you know, here's your, here's your teenager going out at night. And, uh, and he says, uh, I'll be back before 11. And, and you say, well, now, don't get in trouble with those boys. I don't trust them boys. No, here's what you should say. Don't go with those boys. Stay away from temptation. Not resisting its power, but avoiding its presence. Wisdom is what will, will deliver you. Um, somebody said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I believe that. So here we are taught to pray that God would guide us during the day so we don't fall into destructive, overwhelming circumstances. It is an admission on our part of ignorance and dependence upon God. And then... The final petition is petition seven. This you pray on Saturday morning. Deliver us from evil. The word evil here uh, simply means harsh circumstance or even a disaster of some sort. It's not like we think of evil as sin so much, but Genesis 47, 9, Jacob, the old patriarch, said, Few and evil have been my days. Now, he didn't mean he'd just been sinful all the way through. He meant he had catastrophes. He lost Joseph. He lost Benjamin. He, his father-in-law Laban mistreated him. Esau, his brother, tried to kill him. So he says to Pharaoh, Few and evil, catastrophic, have been my days. So when he says pray that God would deliver us from evil, he means pray praying for deliverance from disasters, harsh circumstance that bring pain and grief. And so every Saturday morning you get up and you say, God, today deliver us, my family, my church, keep us from accidents, keep us from diseases. And if we do have diseases, then get us out of it had a sweet lady this morning. She's been diagnosed with cancer twice. I said, how are you doing? She said, the doctor can find no, no portion, no evidence of any cancer at all. Hallelujah. Deliverance from evil, all kinds of evil. This is a request for protection. Some of you are the single breadwinner in your family. What if you were injured? 
What if you were sick and the insurance didn't cover you? How devastating would that be? You need to pray. We are a moment, a second away from catastrophe. We need God's guidance, protection, and deliverance so that we're, He may send an angel to keep us just a few seconds late so that that car that runs a red light just barely misses us, but it missed us. But this, this, is, uh, this word indicates any kind of harshness, grief, something that would cause you grief. Uh, I was talking to Faye a couple of weeks ago, and uh, her uh, dear mother, Mrs. Hewitt, that began attending here last year and uh, passed away a few months later, um, left Faye. Uh, Mrs. Hewitt had been uh, married for over 60 years. She left Faye her wedding band. 60 years. Of, 62, actually, wasn't it? And that is precious. And we had a wedding up in Bannister. And somehow between that wedding and Sunday morning, she had lost it. Lost her wedding band. And um, she looked, tried to think, where, where could it have fallen off? And she prayed, God, show me where my wedding band is. You know how important it is to me. And that night, in a dream, she saw that wedding ring. And it was wrapped up in napkins. And, when, and she woke up and thought, that's got to be up there at the reception hall in Bannister. So they went up there, went through all the garbage, <laughs> and there in one of the garbage sacks was a little uh, folding over of napkins, and she picked it up, and there was the ring showed it to her in a dream praying about everything Philippians 4 Paul said pray about everything don't worry about anything but take everything to God in prayer and the God of peace who passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds and I want to close with this verse from Psalm 121 verse 1 and 2 where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Deliver us from evil. Well, here it is, Psalm 121.8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, that is an awesome statement. We must not act like that's irrelevant to our lives. And it's the will of God. Let's pray it. We can say, Lord, this is what you said. I pray you'll keep me from all evil. Keep my children from all evil. 
Keep my grandchildren from all evil. For generations to come, deliver us into your hands, O God, and no one else's. What a mighty God we serve. What a precious privilege we have in prayer. Amen. Let's bow together and ushers, you come. And let's worship in tithes and in offerings. Father, we thank you today for your promises. We thank you for uh, teaching us how to pray. And we ask your guidance and leadership and help uh, in all these things. And may you be glorified forever and seen as holy among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.